This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the Inspirational, Informational, and Transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today, we discuss how one flight school is changing lives through aviation, even during the COVID-19 crisis. Joining me today is Wayman, Eddie, and we're going to get to him in a second. But before we do that, a few announcements. If you have any questions, comments, inspirational stories, or announcements, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. You know, at aviationcareerspodcast.com, you can find our scholarships guide and the various online courses. And don't forget career coaching. I know right now is a tough time. So we're trying to help people through this period, especially with furloughs, et cetera. I know a lot of people know they have a lot of expertise in that. Uh, hopefully, I'm not going to have to head over to DC and kind of pause the uh, the podcast to help out with it, but we'll see what happens there. Uh, but one of the things I want you to remember is pay it forward. Pay it forward is the coupon code. And if you want a free scholarships guide, you can use that pay it forward coupon. You know what's great is what happens is with the podcast, I have people that donate through our Patreon, and you can do the same. And every $10 we bring in, we actually give away one scholarships guide. And if you want to announce your name, et cetera, it's a minimum of $10. We'll put your name out there uh, on the podcast as far as uh, you know, advertising, et cetera. And, uh, and what we'll do is we actually, again, for every $10 you give, we actually will uh, mention your name and give away a scholarships guide in your name. So it's, uh, it's a way to pay it forward, like I said. And currently the Current guide, let's see, we have 64 new scholarships, six updates, and a new section, scholarships for adults. Uh, so to find out more, just go to aviationcareerspodcast.com. Also, go check out our, our YouTube channel. We've been putting a lot of things on there, things that are separate from the podcast. One thing I noticed, there's a few things that I think I'm going to bring over for the audio because a lot of you folks say that you can't get to YouTube. Uh, so I'm going to pull some of that off that are really good. For instance, we uh, came out with a recent video, Can You Fly With a DUI? That had to do with general aviation, but it turns out a lot of that ties over to the commercial field and also in careers. So we're going to make that an audio podcast for those of you that are out there at sea right now and uh, have a tough time uh, downloading as far as YouTube is concerned. Well, anyway, on with the show and our guest, welcome to the podcast. Uh, we are with Wayman. Eddie, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me today. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, one of the things that I really love is the fact that there are a lot of schools out there that are are really positive about what's happening and the comeback, et cetera. And there's a lot going on. Things change every day. Uh, and you're one of those. Uh, I love the the incredible positive attitude that you have and everybody at uh, Wayman Aviation Academy has. And by the way, we've interviewed some folks from Wayman before talking about a diesel uh, 172. Gosh, that was, I think, two years ago at Sun and Fun. Uh, I was going to say it's the last Sun and Fun. It actually was was because the last one was canceled, but uh, great job on that interview and uh, and the crew at Wayman, just terrific. So before we get too far into this, uh, I'm saying the word Wayman, tell us a little bit about uh, what Wayman is. Sure. Um, Well, Wayman is uh, my name and my father's name. And so that's how we came to be uh, Wayman Aviation Academy. It's uh, a family business at the core. And uh, a lot of people don't realize it's a name. And those that realize the name think it's our last name. It's actually a first name, which causes a lot of confusion. Uh, so my father is who everyone calls Mr. Wayman. Uh, my brother is Wayman Alfredo, and he's been known around the aviation circles for a long time. He's been working the air shows since he was about 18 for Softcom and uh, TBM, Dyer Cicada. 
uh, and of course with us, Wayman Aviation Academy. And I'm Wayman Eddy, also a pilot, but more on the business and tech side of things. And so uh, when we're at the flight school, I go by Eddie, he goes by Alfredo, and uh, our father is Mr. Wayman. Yeah, oh, a, wow. Yeah, a flying family. Uh, he's been flying since the 70s. He started as a bush pilot in Peru and uh, came to the U.S. with a little maintenance shop, which turned into a couple of aircraft that he rented out to instructors, which turned into the flight school. Uh, and that's kind of the core of our Aviation Changes Lives story is how uh, one kid who was given and in, in, inspired to fly down in Peru uh, turned into turned his career to aviation, which turned into a flight school and thousands of pilots flying around the world now. You know, one thing that I, I love that story and uh, I love the fact that uh, he's been in your family has been so resilient through so many different periods in downturns, uh, great times, et cetera. And you've, you've actually made it through. And that's kind of what we want to get to here because this is a crisis and you've been through other crises in the past. So, um, Oh yeah. One thing, by the way, I, I do want to mention is it, it's really cool. You got to go to their website, uh, on Wayman Aviation Academy and check out the about page. Uh, what he was just talking about, there's some pretty uh, cool pictures out there and uh, some little bush flying and stuff like that. So I thought that was really awesome. Uh, we'll, we'll try to put some of those links in the, in the show notes there. I'm really glad you took the time to, to check that out because uh, um, so many people get on the on the railroad, on the tracks of aviation. I'm going to fly through my hours, get into the airlines. But there's a lot of flying out there in all different corners of the world. Yes. Oh, gosh, yes. And that's one of the things that we try to put forward here at uh, Aviation Careers Podcast. There's so much more than just flying for the airlines. Unfortunately, we've had to focus on that recently because there's so much hiring that's been happening. Um, but really, now we're finding out all the other jobs. People are starting to realize there's cargo, et cetera. Um, but anyway, getting back to Wayman Aviation Academy, I'm, like I said, I highly recommend going out there and checking out the, the links and also the story behind it. Um, as far as the flight training is concerned, you do more than just flight training, but um, there's, there's a, a fairly large uh, flight school there. So tell us where you are and specifically what type of training they can get. Sure. Uh, so we've got two bases, both of them in South Florida on the north side of Miami at uh, Miami Opalaka Executive Airport. That's our historic base. Been there for 33 years. I used to climb trees there when I was a kid <laughs> and wash airplanes, uh, work the pilot shop counter. And uh, we've been at North Perry Airport uh, in Pembroke Pines, which is between Fort Lauderdale and uh, Miami, for the last uh, five going on six years. And since we've been there, it's become the single busiest contract tower airport in the country. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're flying, flying a fleet now of uh, 42 aircraft uh, across both bases, mostly Cessnas. We're mostly a Cessna shop. Uh, Piper Senecas for the twins. And we do uh, from zero to hero, all the way to commercial multi-engine flight instructors, and we hand them off to the airlines, six airline partners now. Right. So now we're, we're talking about this now, and I think one of the things we should probably get to is, uh, you know, with the COVID-19 crisis. And uh, a lot of people are probably thinking, gee, you know, this is great that you have this school. Um, and I'm listening to this podcast thinking, gee, should I get into aviation? I know my opinion. I think it's a wonderful field. I've been through so many different downturns. Uh, you know, eventually things will come back. Uh, when? Nobody knows. But I mean, it's, it's, it's like anybody else that has a crystal ball. You could try to figure it out. But we will. We will start flying. Uh, so what are you folks doing at Wayman? Uh, and what's going on, I guess, is really one of the other questions as far as uh, concerning the crisis. 
Well, you can't avoid it. It's part of every conversation we're having today. You know, you have the conversation with your neighbors, with your friends, and definitely with your coworkers in the world of aviation, right? right. Uh, the good thing is, right when it first happened, um, I think we all took a step back and said, oh, hey, what's going on here? But as I've gone into the research and had some really interesting conversations with, with uh, industry leaders, I realized we're actually in an excellent position, especially for someone that's getting into aviation now. Um, so I'm a board member of the Greater Miami Aviation Association, a great organization in South Florida, which, of course, is my, I think Miami International. It's a huge international aviation hub, right, for cargo, for passengers, for everyone coming from South America, Europe, Americas in general. And we had a great uh, – we have a monthly call, and the Latin American VP of American Airlines joined us on the last call. And, uh, I mean, they're getting pummeled, right? So yeah. the interesting thing was – even though this is what's in front of us right now, he was pretty confident, and others that I spoke to are pretty confident that they'll be back to about 75% of traffic by the end of the end of this year going into next year, right? So that's a, it's, it's not the V-shape we're going to get right back to, to where we were two months ago. It's more of this U-shaped recovery that we've been hearing about where we're going to get there, and then it'll probably take another year or two to get back to 100%. Um, so that's Pretty promising right there to hear, you know, right from American Airlines. Uh, I've heard a lot of people call this the great pause, right? We're all in our homes taking that moment with our families, taking a moment to kind of look around at things. And it's really a pause in aviation as well. Uh, like you mentioned a moment ago, um, we've been through the flight school in 33 years. We've gone through uh, two economic downturns in the 90s and uh, 2008, of course. Uh, 9-11, where nobody flew, especially in the uh, flight training world for about three months, two, three months. Uh, not only that, being in South Florida, we've gone through hurricanes, so many hurricanes. Uh, there's two, 2004 and 2005, where we lost about 10 aircraft, uh, just fully uh, destroyed aircraft. And so we've probably rebuilt the school about five times at this point, <laughs> right? Um, and so talk about recovery and kind of, yes, You've got to trim back. You've got to focus on, on, on what's important to you and what you have at hand and, and then look towards the future, right? So it did give us an opportunity every time to look at what's working, what's our core, what are we good at, what are you good at as an individual, as a pilot, and redirect towards your interest. If you're doing something that you're not passionate about, why not refocus that energy on something you're, you are really passionate about, right? Um, you know, maybe... Maybe you were at a class at uh, Republic or Envoy that never started. Maybe it's time to, to look into that, that gig as an Alaskan bush pilot. Summer's coming, you know, some, some missionary work for a season or two, <laughs> right? Uh, we have an amazing missionary pilot flying in Africa right now, and he's, he's doing great. So rebuilding and recovery is a big part of it. So there's great pause, right? There's great pause in the aviation industry. The, the, the world has shrunk. Aviation is great. We're going, what the industry in general is doing is probably getting rid of older model aircraft, you know, refocusing on the really uh, productive aircraft, uh, single aisle, narrow bodies. Um, and that's going to come back. When the majors cut down, the regionals have to pick up that slack once, you know, once the traffic comes back. So to give you an idea, prior to all this, right, we were in, everyone was in crazy hiring mode, mm -hmm. <laughs> crazy yeah. hiring mode. Pilot shortage, 637,000 jobs is what Boeing told us we needed. And frankly, anybody that was involved with 
with it knows that there was no way, no way the current flight training system could catch up with that. We just simply don't make even half as many pilots as we would need to catch up with that pilot shortage. So, all right, let's knock it down a peg. Maybe those 637,000 jobs are reduced by you know, the 20, 30% we just talked about. That still outstrips what we're able to do. And really what was driving that was growth was driving some of that, but it was the, the retirements, the 4,000 retirements a year was really driving that. And we know American Airlines just offered early retirement and about 700 pilots took it. Uh, that's just going to accelerate the need for pilots at that point. Now, of course, those jobs aren't posted on American Airlines website right now. Um, and they probably won't be this year. But if you're starting to learn right now, if you're, if you're in your flight training, you're doing your IFR rating, or maybe you're starting to CFI right now, uh, you have a one to two, maybe even three years of putting in your dues, right? Of uh, flying, uh, you know, hauling cargo, doing sightseeing, all that kind of stuff that we all do building up our time. Uh, and when you get there, about two, two and a half, three years, the airlines are going to be back. And uh, that retirement, uh, retirements aren't going to stop. You know, I'm, cl- I'm glad you brought up all these these points. And I think one of the things that's really important is uh, times always change, don't they? I mean, there's times when, like we just saw a year ago, how it was basically if you had a pulse, you could get a job with an airline. You didn't need a resume. You didn't. Uh, you could interview with five different airlines, get five different offers. And that's changed somewhat, but the industry itself really hasn't changed. I know there's a lot of young folks out there that are listening and saying, you know, this is horrible, et cetera. And I know for us that's been through this so many times and the 80s and the you know 70s even and been through all these different types of you know of crises we we do come back from this and one of the things we have to understand too not just retirements but in general we have really democratized aviation in that it's affordable to many people in the world and it's connecting so many more people and you know what that affordability and the rise of the middle class worldwide is going to continue that growth so we have a we have, and this is projecting out 10 years of course and that's what you're more concerned as somebody that's getting started you can't just look at what you're doing right now. You know, I, I have a friend that's a doctor and didn't care what was going on. They're in school. They're, they're worried about eight years from now. They're going to need doctors eight years from now. We're going to need pilots uh, five years from now, three years from now. It's just changed. That's all. And I like what you said. I mean, a lot of people are uh, were hearing about not having to pay their dues. Um, but now we're, we're back to that a little bit more now. And one of the things I love what you said about passion for aviation, we had somebody on recently uh, who was a bush pilot up in, uh, and don't, they don't like to call themselves bush pilots, but, you know, was flying in Alaska. And it is a great idea to get back to that. And another suggestion I have, Eddie, is, uh, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, is really, I always tell people, and this is what I do down downturn, I actually volunteer. Uh, it doesn't have to be in aviation. There's so many other people out there that need so much. And if you're going to volunteer with your church, your family, whatever you do, go out there because it, it actually makes you feel good on the inside. It changes you on the inside. And it really, and it doesn't have to be in aviation, but it'll change your attitude towards aviation. It'll change your attitude towards many things in life. I, I just kind of want to hear your feedback on that as far as volunteering is concerned. I think a little of that you talked about already with the, the flying and, and mm-hmm. uh, volunteer flying. You've got to give back, right? Uh, those of you that are further 
you know, down your path or up the ladder, as they say, uh, we understand the value of giving back. So, you know, the flight school, we host Civil Air Patrol. We, uh, we host the 99s and OBAP and Latino Pilots Association. And we had an EAA fly-in, flew 66 kids in November. That cool. is incredibly rewarding, right? Yeah. To have to give those first flights. Um, but even if you think a little bit closer, right? So everyone has that conversation. Like, you know, you're at the grocery store, you're wearing your stripes, and oh, you're a pilot, right? It doesn't take much to get a pilot talking about being a pilot. Right? <laughs> That's for sure. So um, you'd be surprised um, how we can help, you know, whether it's, um, you know, here we're in South Florida, and we did a, a, one friend in, in particular, uh, Robert Arkin, uh, flew. I don't know how many missions to the Bahamas after the hurricane, right? Doing little jobs like that. Um, there's a, a, a lot of ways that you can give back, whether, you know, like you mentioned, missionary. If you're young and you don't have the mortgage and the obligations, get out and see the world a little bit, right? Uh, there's Wings of Hope, who's my, who my father started with. They're called Alas, for, Alas Esperanza in Peru, Wings of Hope. And uh, he flew the bush uh, in the Amazon for 10 years, right? Africa and all around the world. Uh, David Nealman, a huge aviation luminary, right? Got his start as a missionary in Brazil. And then, you know, 40 years later, came back to found Azul, <laughs> right? So definitely a great time to give back. But even closer to home, every little airport, no matter how small your field, has a flight school on, on the field, a mom and pop, something like that, right? And they would love love to have somebody with your experience if you're already flying. If you've got your 1,500 hours, you've got 15,000 hours. Prior to this, um, you know, what we're seeing right now, the big issue with flight schools is there was plenty of line instructors, plenty of young guys and girls that were willing to fly the pattern for eight hours a day, you know, and get their hours. But there was a shortage of senior instructors that had the experience, the chops, that had seen it, uh, that had traveled the world and could come back. Not just, you know, and I don't expect, you know, let's say our retired captains that just got out of American United, you took that early retirement. Some of them are going to go fishing, right? And that's fine. But if you can break off 10 hours a week, right, and, and go to your local flight school, you know, be happy to pay you for it, right? It's not going to be those airline rates. But just to have you around doing stage checks, you know, mentoring our instructors, because the young guys don't have those 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 hour pilots hanging around, uh, giving them uh, why it's so important to follow the checklist, right? Don't have the, the why of, you know, this pre-flight may seem small, but wait until you're wearing the, the, the fluorescent walking around a, seven, a 777, right? Uh, students and instructors love to hear those stories. If you want to volunteer your time, if you want to go in there in official capacity, you know, maybe you'll maybe be making like 30, 40 bucks an hour that the school is getting so much out of it. The students are getting so much out of it. Visit your local field. See if you can help. Gosh, you know, uh, I really wish I had said that. Boy, I, I can't say uh, more about why it's important to give back even on your local field. I mean, as you know, I coach a local flight team here. And uh, for some of us, you know, that have those 15,000 or more hours, you know, maybe we don't need to take money for it. You know, a lot of folks don't. You can volunteer and and you get something out of it. You, you know, you really find out that you're you're affecting the next generation of pilots. So if you're somebody just like Eddie was saying, it's like, if you're actually 
there thinking about what can I do, you really can make a difference. And I'm sure you've seen that at your flight school. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, because we do so much with OBAP and the 99s, like we're actively kind of always talking. Whenever a, a captain walks through my door, it's like, hey, would you be willing to come and talk to the instructors at our CFI meeting? You know, uh, everyone's got those stories. Um, giving back is huge, but you get a lot out of it as well, right? Not just the, the warm fuzzies, but, you know, let's say that you're not done with the airlines, but maybe you've been furloughed or your class got canceled and you've got to wait six months or a year, right? Being a, an active flight instructor keeps you current, right? Keeps your instrument skills in check, keeps you thinking, keeps uh, the hours growing in your logbook, right? Maybe you're a 1,500-hour pilot now. A year from now, you could be 2,000, you know, 2,500-hour pilot. You know, I mean, I'm so glad you said that because, I, I mean, I've been preaching that, and that's one of the reasons I love having people on that have a lot of uh, experience in the industry. One thing that happens often, and, you know, having worked with a lot of furlough pilots, you know, over a 1,000 furlough pilots in the past for the airline I was with, is the fact that people just stop. Now, I understand if you got to feed your family, that's number one, okay? that You have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you can somehow get out there and fly and don't stop flying, and, uh, and I never forget, and this is going back 20 years, someone saying to me, gosh, you know, they told me I'd be making a six-figure income within a year, and that didn't happen. I was like, well, if that's the reason you got into it, that's probably the wrong reason to get into aviation. It's a good living, yes, but you have to do it because you really enjoy it. And the people that really enjoy it, it's like not going to work. It's fun. I mean, I love it still every single day. Absolutely. it's Aviation is a passion career, right? I I counsel. I, I give, uh, yeah, like I said, I give a lot of counseling for young pilots, who uh, maybe aren't in the right career, right? Maybe they're struggling with their privates and they really want to get there. Or maybe they've got all the resources in the world, but they're not interested. And I see that a lot of kids of airline pilots, you know, you can have all the connections and resources and funds, but they don't want to be a pilot, <laughs> right? Uh, it really is a passion. You, can, you can't force someone to be a pilot. It's got to be within them. You know, with that said, there's nothing wrong with getting your private and realizing you don't want to be an airline pilot. You don't want to be any type of a pilot except just a private pilot. But that's incredibly important because, you know, I'd like to hear your view on this. But having that pilot certificate affects your life in many ways. Huge. It's a huge, huge accomplishment for anyone that's got the private pilot or even just got their solo. You know, we're a flying family. My sister, uh, got to her solos but she chickened out on the cross countries <laughs> right <laughs> which i don't blame her i don't blame her right so she's the only non-pilot uh well my mom as well she she was always felt like she was the one on the ground um but she was very instrumental in the company especially early on but having that experience right um so let's say you get your private which is the vast majority of people can at least get their private pilot license right maybe you're not the 40 hour 50 hour top gun maybe you're that 80 90 100 hour private pilot if you're interested just in the world of aviation, having a private pilot certificate is an excellent, excellent tool. You go apply for operations at the airport, airlines, cargo, uh, dispatchers. If you're if you have a private pilot license, you, that's the same as having a bachelor's degree, in my opinion. Like it's just one amazing line on your, on your resume if you want to work in the aviation world because you can talk to pilots, you can speak the lingo, right? And it's its own language. 
Absolutely. And uh, we see a lot of students with Polk State College here. They go out, they get their private, and then they decide, I want to go into management. And and they can, like you said, speak that lingo. Um, coming back to your flight school, we, we and we have a couple more things we really got to get to. One of the things that is on a lot of people's minds right now, and I, I think it's important for us to discuss, is what are you doing as a flight, flight school and uh, going forward? after this crisis, during this crisis, uh, to keep people safe? And also, what's happening in the industry? What kind of guidance are you getting? I know I know it's changing every day. Uh, it is. It's a moving target. It's a moving target. We've been very active with uh, the Flight School Association of North America, FASANA. Bob Rockmaker over there been really on, at the forefront of it, um, working with uh, attorneys in D.C., in Maryland area. Uh, airports have the exception, right? We're critical. Airports have to keep operating. Uh, And flight schools uh, are riding along on that uh, because there's this thing called the CISA, the uh, Critical Infrastructure Act. There's an, I don't know what the S stands for there, but it's critical infrastructure. And actually flight instruction is named right in there because we have to keep certifying pilots, right? We have to keep certifying pilots and dispatchers and things like that. So what did we do? Clearly, when, when stuff first got there, we all took a pause and a breath and said, okay, now what are we going to do, <laughs> right? Um, and then as, we, as things started kind of filling themselves out, we saw, okay, we have to prioritize. First thing we've got to do as well, as well as we can to follow our state, county, and city ordinances, right? Which were basically everybody shut down, sanitization, um, essential businesses, right? So... We closed the front door. Everything was by appointment. Sorry, we weren't giving tours for those uh, for that month. Actually, we're just now kind of getting back to tours, and they're only by appointment. But what we did right away was big push on sanitization. So the offices got cleaned thoroughly, right, every week. And on the weekends, we did a deep clean. We uh, encouraged masks and gloves. We were able to get cases of gloves, which is great. Um, and our aircraft were being kind of sprayed down with this alcohol water mix every morning and afternoon, and our line guys were going through and wiping them. If you're in a smaller flight school, I know it's been hard to get wipes, right? It's been really hard to get wet wipes. Uh, But little spray bottles of alcohol and tissue and just kind of wiping down surfaces uh, between every flight. We want to make sure the aircraft is sanitized. Just this week, we finally got an order of masks, and we've been waiting for them for a month. And so all of our students got masks where if you're in the building, you're wearing a mask. If you're in the aircraft, you're wearing a mask. On the ramp, masks, right? Um, That's the number one way to prevent transmission. It's a minor inconvenience in order to be able to still fly, right? Minor. I I mean, if you tell me all I have to do is wear a mask and gloves to go fly, like, give me a box. I'll take them, (laughs) right? Um, And this is, of course, for the safety of the individuals, the instructor, uh, but also to comply with with our neighbors, you know, with the community. Because the community is so important, right? Um, the county was fine with us flying. The state understood that we're under the exemption. But the city knocked on our door and said, hey, why are you still flying? Right? So we had to go through these conversations with the mayor and kind of point out these different things that allow us to fly. But even the best of situations, we are just now maybe back to about 40% of our flying. And that's for a few different reasons, you know. Uh, half of our students are international. So a good third of our students kind of got up and went home, 
They said, hey, there's a last-minute flight going to Peru or Colombia or, or wherever, Bahamas, and I'm going to go spend it with my family, which I can completely understand. There's a, lo- a portion of our students that uh, are local and our instructors who said, hey, you know, I live with my parents, grandparents, they're elderly, I'm going to self-isolate. You've got to respect that. We also uh, had several college partners, Miami-Dade College, Embry-Riddle, Liberty University, who all said, hey, flying's got to stop. Uh, Miami-Dade College, I think, will reopen their flying on the 11th, Liberty University, uh, who has flight training centers around the country. Many of your listeners might be Liberty University students. I believe they're going to start their semester this week, tomorrow, actually, I think, on the 5th. And, uh, and so, you know, we have to respect that. So we shrunk down to maybe 30, 20 30% of our flying, closed on the weekends, gave everyone a chance to go home. Uh, there was just the stress. I think everyone's had that mental stress over the last two months. Like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And even though we were able to keep the doors going, everyone needed that mental break on the weekends. Yeah, I, th- I think so. So it, have you ever seen this before? Have you ever had to shrink like this before? Well, a few times. So 9-11 is the one that everyone refers to, right? Where airspace was shut down for about six weeks and the flight schools probably didn't recover for six months to a year. Not to mention we're in South Florida where some of those individuals got their training. None of them with us, but, um, you know, there was a lot of apprehension. And for years we got questions like, were you one of those schools? Um, thank, thank goodness we weren't. Um, so that was probably the, mo- the, the most relevant. And we had no flying and we purely existed off of our FAA testing center, <laughs> right? Our laser grades testing center is the only thing that kept a little bit of cash flow coming in to keep the doors open, to pay the electricity, pay the rent. Uh, and that's because TSA was created and they all needed to be tested. So thank goodness for that. That was their own little kind of stimulus <laughs> for us. But uh, in these kind of situations, we, we've all done it in the past month, looked at our pocketbook, looked at the checking account and be like, well, do I really need this subscription? You know, can I cancel those lessons? Uh, and kind of, you know, make sure you can keep the roof over your head and, uh, and food in the pantry until things blow over. Now, that 9-11 is probably the biggest example. Uh, the other one that we had personally as a flight school was two hurricanes, Rita and Katrina in 2004 and 2005 that wrecked about half of our fleet. And we were wow. about to shut down the flight school after that one. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How did you recover from that? Well, I was the first one on site that morning after the hurricanes. And if you've never seen a sadder sight, right? Uh, Pipers and Cessnas upside down, you know, mangled with fences. Um, That was uh, by the grace of insurance. (laughs) We were able to recover a good portion of that, but um, it was still slow recovery, slow, slow recovery. So at that point we slimmed down to two airplanes, slimmed down to two airplanes. Personally, that's when I actually left the business. I, uh, it's a family business. So, uh, I was college age at that point and I got up and I got a job in New York and worked in the tech world for uh, several years. And that's when my dad was about to retire. He's like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to retire. So, um, around 2008, I moved back down to South Florida starting a family. And so I thought I'd better be around family. Got together with my brother and my sister who are still very crucial parts of the flight school. And my father, of course, and said, hey, you know, we've got something special here. 
let's let's see what we can do with the flight school and uh, and start building it back up. So we did just that, and we went from four aircraft in 2008, right in the middle of the crash, right at the beginning of the crash, actually. I remember sitting in the back of the pilot shop when the crash happened, and we were banking with Citibank. And I thought <laughs> Citibank was going to go under. And so I'm t- I turned to my sister. I'm like, what do we do if our bank goes out of business? <laughs> so uh, luckily, we were at that time, we had just gotten a contract, our first large contract uh, to do we were like kind of third party on an airline training contract. And those students kept us afloat through that crash and actually taught us a lot. I, I think you could safely say that before that we were more of your typical uh, small, uh, you know, on the smaller side, 141 flight school, you know, six to 10 airplanes and get, getting by a little bit of structure, but not very large. That contract taught, taught us about airline training. And, uh, well, let's see. Now it's been 12 years, and we've gone from four airplanes to 42. Wow, so, that's a big jump. It's been busy. It's been busy. Yeah, well, <laughs> congratulations on that. That's great. Thank you. Um, you know, as far as going forward, though, what do you feel as far as flight training is concerned? Maybe either or two things. Number one, how do you think it's going to change? Number two, um, do you think it's going to grow? In the short term, we're, we're probably going to stabilize. You know, for these year or two. Um, a lot of those people that were on the fence about going into aviation, the ones that weren't as passionate, you know, they might go into uh, airport operations, management, air traffic control, those other things. You know, the pilots, the passionate pilots, you can't keep them away, <laughs> right? Uh, that's for sure. And that's who we're counting on. So I think it's going to be very resilient, actually, for those. Flight training, just like everything, I think will change. I was actually watching a really interesting interview with uh, Malcolm Gladwell last night, a tipping point author, a very, really interesting guy to hear his opinion on anything. And his whole thing was about the, the human's capability to normalize, to take something crazy and just make it normal. Right. And I think that's where we all are right now. You know, I've got a mask in my car that I just you know put on whenever I go to the grocery store. <laughs> um, I'm getting really used to working remote. I'm talking to you from my home today instead of the office. Um, and so we're going to normalize this to some extent. So flight training and aviation in general, you're going to see a big emphasis from the airlines about uh, safety and cleanliness and uh, you know making aviation safe again for the average individual. Even though we're all in close proximity, you know, I had somebody talking to me about the amazing air filtration systems that are in modern aircraft. Like, you know, you've got your HERPA filters uh, that screen so much out. And that doesn't do much for you if the guy next to you is sick. <laughs> but in, in all, in the whole cabin, it really is kind of impressive what they're doing right now. And that's behind the scenes stuff that no one's ever shown a spotlight on. We're going to hear a lot more about that. Right? Oh, so, yeah. And that's going to roll back into aviation and flight training. Um, what do I see in flight training? There's been a boom recently in mom-and-pop flight schools, um, gray area operators who were trying to cash in on this uh, pilot shortage but didn't have the highest standards in their maintenance and uh, in their ethics. I think we're going to see a lot of those close up, those fly-by-night operators, pun intended. Um, we're going to see them go away, I hope. Um, and you're going to see really 
the, the better operators, the ones that have more systems in place, the ones that are not gambling with your flight training money, um, those, those are the ones that have been investing in their aircraft, the ones that own their own airplanes versus, you know, leasing them out and, and, and they have that big bill to pay. I, I agree wholeheartedly, and that's one of the things that you do see often in, during these downturns is you, you see that uh, we do see a lot of the folks leave the industry that uh, really we're just doing it for the money. Kind of like us, that our pilots are just doing it for the money, we may wind up leaving and going to something else. And uh, and those people, like you said, we saw this happen during the financial crisis, et cetera. And, and having some, uh, working with somebody that has some integrity is incredibly important in a flight school, which uh, one of the reasons we, we really enjoy having Wayman on here. Uh, and, you know, one of the things, though, I do want to kind of talk about and close out with is, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit more about where they can find you, that kind of thing is, you know, why should people not give up on this? I think we're hopeful. I think you put a good path forward as far as, you know, we're going to have better safety standards as far as, you know, interacting with people. Uh, but why should, why should listeners not give up on their dream of a career in aviation? Why should we not give up? I don't think, you know, real pilots aren't capable of giving up on it, right? We're, we're going to hang out at the airport until someone invites us into their plane, <laughs> right? Um, you know, it's funny enough, I actually – so give you something else that's changing in flight training. Um, we're, I'm used to doing seminars around the world. You know, I was in India. I do them in Peru and all that kind of stuff. And I can't do that, right? I can't have a large gathering. So now we're switching over to uh, webinars, right, virtual seminars. So I'm doing my first one on Wednesday. Uh, if any of your listeners are interested, it's uh, on our Facebook and so on. And that's me testing the waters. And I'm going to be talking about just this, why this is the best time to start your flight training path. Um, everyone's focused on the airlines and passenger travel. But what I'm seeing is cargo and corporate is doing strong, right? Amazon, uh, we're in Miami. Atlas has a great big base here. And all of those people that were at these other airlines and regionals, now they're saying, hey, I can be flying a 747 at Atlas. <laughs> so they're hiring. They haven't stopped. Um, IBC, which flies around the Caribbean uh, as well down here, they're all doing quite a, quite a bit of flying. Um, and corporate is steady. You know, uh, the well-to-do individuals that were buying first-class tickets, they're chartering. So Opalak Executive Airport is one of the major executive uh, hubs in the world. And we've always had a good percentage of students kind of go into executive, but uh, yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing them picking up quite a bit too. And these are the ones that were having trouble hiring because the airlines were sucking all the pilots away, right? But oftentimes, you get yourself into an Embraer or a Gulfstream, it is nicer than anything you'll find at the airlines or regionals. Oh yeah. Uh, so there's still a lot of flying out there. Uh, if aviation is your your passion, you can't do anything else. Right, you can't sit in the account in your cubicle, um, you know, accounting for the weekend. <laughs> no, I agree wholeheartedly. Gosh, you know, if we're we're all passionate about aviation, that's why we're doing the show. And one of the things that I think people uh, don't realize is some. It is good to follow your passion. You just have to figure out how to put some money to that. And that's what we're kind of talking about here. You, sometimes you have to change directions, don't you? You just talked about cargo. You talked about corporate. We really weren't having those big discussions before. Everybody's talking about the airlines because that was the least resistance. Now it's cargo. Now it's uh, the corporate, that type of thing. But one thing that if you're a true aviator, and I know for me, I have done all those different things except for cargo, and I absolutely loved everything. <laughs> 
if you really love flying, it doesn't matter if it's in a Cherokee or if it's in an Airbus or Boeing, it, you're going to just, you're going to be enjoy being up there. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, one of, one of our partners, Silver Airways here in South Florida, Fort Lauderdale, fly all around the Caribbean. They're flying SOBs now, uh, 340s. Oh, I'm sorry. No, they're moving to ATRs. And they were having trouble hiring. And I'm looking at these guys like, wait a second. You, okay, they're turboprops. <laughs> but you get to fly over the Caribbean every day. <laughs> like, and you sleep in your own bed at night. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't mind that gig, even part-time. Oh, that's actually something I wanted to mention. Part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're reduced on hours or furloughed, don't be shy about a part-time at a flight school or a charter or whatever it might be. I'll tell you right now, I know the owners and operators of just about every large academy in the country, and most of them in Florida. And we all have part-time chief pilots and assistant chiefs and stage leaders because we know you'd rather be out there uh, you know, with the airline or, or flying the Challenger, right? But if part-time, that's great. Come on back. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because there are so many people that love to come back and bring their experiences to a flight school. There's, and that's one of the best ways to do it. Come on as a part-time uh, check airman or even be a flight instructor. We see that often. I really get a kick out of it. I mean, I love being able to give examples to somebody who's working on their instrument or their private. Uh, and I think that's, that's really, really good advice. Um, but any other closing thoughts before we kind of move on? I'm just, I want to make sure we kind of got hit all the points that you wanted to make uh, before we we close up here because one of the things that i think is really important in the world of flight training is that we sometimes and this happens we get a little short-sighted and we realize oh my god the world you know the sky is falling well if you're in college if you're just now getting started in aviation you got to remember it takes a while to make a pilot and by the time you come out the other end as a pilot experienced pilot etc you know, things will be different. They're always different. And and that's what we have to realize. This is just something else that's happened, and it's a blip. Uh, and you're going to look back 30 years from now and realize, oh, yeah, I remember that COVID crisis. And sometimes yeah. you're going to... You're going to be like, well, what was that COVID crisis again? Uh, just like SARS, just like the bird flu. Sometimes we forget about those things. Uh, and really, I think it's important that we realize that we are looking towards the future. Uh, we're not looking at right now. And we have to do that for our internal beings. It's really, really important. We as humans really do know how to adapt to change and change. It'll be all the time, every time in this industry. But any other final thoughts that you have? Uh, Wayman? I do. I do. I, opportunity. You know, opportunity, I've always felt is a combination of timing and preparation, right? Now, pilots being prepared is synonymous with being a pilot. You pre-flight, you flight plan, you get your weather briefings, you do your wave bounces. Preparation is part and parcel of being a pilot. So timing's not good right now. I get it. Timing's not good right now. But when the timing comes back around, which I don't think will be too far away, be prepared. Keep yourself current, you know, keep yourself active. And when an opportunity knocks, you know, the timing and preparation will kick in. I agree. And one of the things we do need to mention is where they can find you again. It's uh, really simple. If you're online right now, wayman.net. We'll have links, by the way, in the show notes. And one of the things that I think people don't realize is how much you do. So kind of go over again. I mean, there's the flight training, international training, et cetera, and, and being your partners too. 
Sure. So uh, at Wayman Aviation on all the social platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Uh, we just opened up a TikTok account. That's a fun one. I've been putting videos on that. <laughs> at Wayman Aviation, it's the same on all the platforms. Um, that's probably the best way to get to us. And our website, wayman.net. I have that webinar coming up and a few other things. We start classes every month here in sunny South Florida. We can fly year-round. Um and uh, you know, big shout out to our airline partners. We've got six airline partners, uh, including ExpressJet, Republic, uh, Silver Airways. Oh, I'm missing somebody. Someone's going to be upset. SkyWest has been wonderful to us. We've got some airline partners as well out there. International pilots know all about this. International pilots know all about timing, right? You get back to your home country, and you know the the flag carrier just went out of business, right? So right. timing and preparation, don't give up on your dreams, stay current, look at other opportunities. Aviation is an international job. You go where the job is, right? So if now is your opportunity to you know, fly in the Caribbean, fly in South America, or wherever it might be, and you don't have a, a mortgage or something like that holding you back, go for it. I think that's some great advice, and uh, Wayman, Eddie, we want to come down and visit sometime. We're doing some more YouTube videos. I think we could maybe swing that after the social distancing, or even now sure. we can come down and, and visit, uh, you know, talk about Peru. Uh, hopefully we can find some place in Miami to get some chifra. Oh, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> we are Peruvian Chinese. That's amazing you know about chifa. Chifa is Peruvian uh, <laughs> Yes, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, being someone that's, you know, that's, that's my day job, I fly internationally down to Peru. And uh, one of the things you realize is the fact that it is such a small world. And one of the things that this aviation community does is it brings so many people together, whether it's in a small airport in inter Florida, intra Florida, uh, over town to South America. We're going to see the aviation world grow because I know we're doing all this online. And that's my business. I mean, we've been busier than ever before. I mean, I'm not sleeping. I'm so busy because that's I'm an online business. But there's more people that want to see each other because of this. You know, we're seeing the world online, but now I want to see the world in person. And now we can do that. We can do that through aviation. And there are so many different ways that you can get involved through cargo. You can get involved through corporate, private aviation, business aviation. There's lots of ways you can get involved in doing missionary work or volunteer work. Piles and Pauls, there's so much out there. Uh, and that's what's so, I think it's really inspirational It's to have someone like yourself on. And it gives us hope, that's for sure, to move forward in, in the aviation world. Uh, Wayman, Eddie, hey, this has been awesome having you on here. So I'm, I'm going to take you up on that, Chifa. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. Anytime. You're not that far. Come on down. No, no, I definitely I'll take the Cherokee down uh, one, one of these times soon. But uh, if you're listening right now, I think one of the things you really should do is reach out to, to Wayman Eddie on their website. It's really easy to find, wayman.net, Wayman Aviation Online. Uh, you just have to do a search in Google, and you'll find them. I will have a link in the show notes, by the way, to the About page. I think that is a really cool article. Um, there are so many different ways through YouTube, through Instagram, that you can follow these folks because they are one of the schools that are doing it right, and uh, they had a lot of experiences. They've been through uh, downturns before, and it's a great example of somebody that is doing something right and has some integrity. So uh, I really can't wait to see what happens in the future, and we're going to be following them, and we'll probably have you back on again hopefully soon. Anytime. I'm available. 
You know, one of the things that we need to do as pilots, though, especially during this time, is look at what's happening and figure out which direction to go in and uh, what we need to do right now. Maybe you are putting off getting your multi-engine rating and you didn't have time to study. Well, what I would encourage you to do is to do that. I want you, after we tur- you hit stop button on this and you go and you stop running, you stop uh, driving the car, etc., I want you to take action. And I want you to do something right now to move forward in your career. Yes, Wayman. Just pull it on that and do a fun one. Get your seaplane rating. Oh, my gosh. Jack Brown's in Winter Haven or if you're up in uh, Minnesota, do some splashes. It's a weekend <laughs> <laughs> and that's a, that is one of those things that's going to look great on your resume, too, if you're looking at a career. All that helps your aviation career. But I really encourage you to do something now to move forward in your career and in your life. We'll talk to you soon. Stay flying. And we'll see you in the next episode. This has been wonderful having Wayman Aviation on. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.